Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I've purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And today my guest is Esther Gomez, who is with Prairie Companion Company. And they farm a family ranch based in Northern California, bringing humanly and ethically raised grass-finished uh, Angus Highland beef to families throughout North America. They ship their beef nationwide overnight by UPS and love bringing nutrient-dense food to families across America. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Share with us a little bit about what got you interested in agriculture. Where to start? I went to college. I studied various things, everything from communications to government. Um, I really didn't find what I was looking for in uh, school. And I was really interested in just getting back to my roots, I guess I felt like, and really kind of resetting and finding what gave me a purpose and drive in life. And I moved to uh, Northern California and I took some agriculture classes and then I just kind of jumped um, right into working on some different uh, farms and ranches. And, you know, that was in 2010 or 2011. Okay. So, you know, I just, I basically, you know, I, I feel like I went to college and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then uh-huh. through testing all the different things and studying various uh, courses, I just made my way and I found something that I enjoyed in school and I wanted to do it outside of school as well. So just kind of, you know, that self-exploration period uh-huh. of life, you know. Yeah. And then what made you settle where you are with, you know, beef and microgreens? Well, I had worked for different uh, big farms, small family ranches, um, and I had always worked for other uh, establishments and I did that for 10 years. So basically I wanted to do something similar in my own you know, based on the knowledge that I had learned, um, and do it for myself and my family. Um, and I met my husband five years ago, and we both decided that, you know, in the next few years, we really wanted to step away from other people's operations and invest into our own operation. Mm-hmm. He had his family has a cattle um, background. He has agriculture background himself. Um, so you know we 
we had our herd started um, a while back mm-hmm. and we wanted to have something else so we could step away from our day job. So we were looking into, you know, leasing more land to do produce and figuring out what we wanted to do. We talked about doing microgreens and we didn't think we had enough space for it, but you know, we just went for it. And as that, that part of the business continued to grow, we basically outgrew the space we were in and got new space. Um, and yeah, it just was kind of organic and wanting to have something that was our own after working for others for a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how'd you meet your husband? I'm actually on a farm visit for a uh, farm that I was not assessing, but just like a farm visit and talking. Evaluating or? Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, a farm evaluation and he was managing that farm and, you know, we just hit it off and we ended up working together more and things just took off from there and moved in and, you know, every everything that comes after <laughs> yes yeah, yeah yeah so share with us a little bit about the you have your are you farming on your own land now or you lease the land yeah so we do both so we have um we have one property that we bought which is um where we live and then we also lease a larger piece of property that the majority of the um feeder cattle are at um here at our ranch we um we have our breeding um stock and some other projects um with like pure highlanders at this ranch we also have our microgreens operation here and then at the least um property we have the feeders the moms and babies and all that stuff so we are split a little bit um but yeah that's that's what we have going on. Yeah. So share a little bit about the beef breed because it sounds like you're it's a cross between Highland and Angus, right? Correct. And um, you know, the basically the what we were looking for with the cross was tender, nice marbling, um, something different and something that really let the um, grass-fed, grass-finished shine when it came to that breed. And, um, you know, it's been, we've had the opportunity to be um, under the guidance of some really great uh, local community members. um, And, you know, we found that that breed combining those two really had put a little edge on that black Angus, you know, um, that's, that's really saturated in the market. So we just kind of wanted to do something different that Mm -hmm. was feasible and made sense. And, you know, you, you have to check a lot of boxes when you're doing agriculture, um, animal husbandry, you, you just want to make sure you are thinking about the whole picture, you know? So, yeah. 
Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that because the highland is something that's more for the colder climates. Angus obviously is pretty ubiquitous across the U.S. as a major beef breed. Combining them gives you feel like more cold hardiness and more efficiency. Aren't the highland a little bit more of an efficient cattle? Yeah, they are. The the highland, um, you know, they are a little smaller than the Angus. Mm -hmm. um, the for where we're at, um, you know, we're in Northern California, so we have a really temperate climate. Um, as far as the cattle, you know, doing well in the weather and everything that it's kind of a, it, it's a good blend for where we're at in the country. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, the Angus or the Highlanders, a lot of the time when it's pure Highlander, the consensus that I've had from other ranchers and just from customers as well is, you know, it has a fork tenderness. The meat is really, um, even with, you know, some people, the grass fed, different cooking and all that stuff combined, but the tenderness of the meat, um, along with the Angus and the uh, time frame in which the Angus matures, it really blended well. I just think that the tenderness of the Highland, the hardiness of the Angus, it really um, lends itself to a really special deep cherry red, really well marbled for grass fed, um, grass finished beef and um, we hear a lot of positive reviews, not only from the grocery stores, but from customers themselves. Um, I've had a few people say that, you know, they're vegan or they're vegetarian and they don't eat meat, but they had our meat and the flavor that is just of the meat, you know, um, is really phenomenal. And they only eat our meat when it comes to that. And I think that that has, has a big part, yes, with the diets and everything that we feed them, but also with that blend um, of the two different breeds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so how many acres do you manage in total? And what is the size of your herd? So acres, um, we have 10 at the, mm -hmm. at, at home. And then the, um, land that we lease is a little over 90 acres and mm -hmm. um you know there is on rotation anywhere from you know 50 to 60 head um that's mm -hmm. in, that's including our feeders and mamas um i might be off a little bit on the numbers because my husband does keep uh better yeah. track of everything but you know, just at any given point, there's, there's, you know, 50 to 60. And we always have at least 24 um, set aside per year that we can take to the stores, take and get cut and wrapped um, that are just on the program to be taken in that year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Walk us through a little bit about the early years, kind of how did you get the, uh, the operation started? Well, just a lot of, you know, taking 
our own savings, investing into things that we knew were going to be long-term investments that we weren't necessarily going to see anything happen, um, working the day jobs, and then creating um, some revenue with something that had a better, higher turnover rate, um, and playing the balancing game with all of those things because you know, you want, you need to pay your bills. You need to make sure that you have everything in your life going on, taken care of. And then you need to do the long-term investments so that you could build your herd or build whatever um, you're trying to build um, that isn't, that you're not going to see any return on investment for a while. Um, and so that's basically where we started. And once we were able to set aside, you know, those investments in our herd in uh, working on a lease with larger properties so that we, because we moved here um, a couple years ago. So we had, we had the lease property for the herd, but we ourselves couldn't have anything going on at our house um, because we wanted to do the breeding and everything like that as well. Um, so, Basically, you know, doing that and then figuring out what we could do where where we were at, you know, in terms of space, in terms of making enough income on whatever we were producing so that one of us or both of us could eventually step away and dedicate even more time to the said business, you know, um, and then I mean, let's see, I have some notes. Um, is there is there something you're looking for in particular besides, you know, that information or? Yeah, I would just say that with um, the, the aspect of the farm is kind of like, what's the vision going forward with it? You know, with you've got the, the microgreens, you got the beef, kind of where do you see that going? Well, we definitely, so what we want to continue to do is to continue to grow our herd, to continue to reach a wider audience. Um, one of the reasons we're really grateful that, um, you know, the podcast reached out to us and grateful to uh, Fair Curve who recommended us um, mm -hmm. is just being able to get in front of a wider audience. Um, we have the ability to grow more beef and to reach more direct to customers um, sales. So that's what we really, that's what we want to focus on for the beef. We really want to reach families. We want to ship more um, beef. Uh, we want to work on marketing even more direct to the consumer in terms of the beef. Um, we love serving the local community and doing like beef shares. The, the beef is just something we do want to continue to grow. Microgreens, we're really happy with it um, in terms of serving the local community. Um, and I think for us, we would like to find, you know, a couple more diversifications for the business, be it another product that we offer, or, you know, farming and ranching, you basically do some of everything. Um, you, you have to, to keep everything going. Um, and 
I think that that's just where we're at. We, we have a steady growth with the beef and the microgreens and reaching more people online, locally, just playing catch up with all of that. And I just think diversifying and seeing what other things um, we can offer. Um, we can't necessarily, you know, sell our hay or something mm-hmm. because we uh, we get it hayed every year for our animals. But in the future, you know, we would like some more property that has some more pasture. So that might come into it besides growing the beef herd also you know selling some of the inputs that we can get out of our properties but you know that's just in the big scheme of things so i i would just say diversifying a little bit growing the herd reaching more families online is (laughs) a big thing for us so let's talk through a little bit about the shipping online is um talk us through like the process an order comes in when do you ship how do you ship So orders come in whenever they come in in the week. We always try to ship at the beginning of the week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is when we like to ship because we ship overnight. And when it comes to holidays, weekends, all that stuff, we want to guarantee that the product is going to get there overnight and shipping, unless there was a holiday on Monday or something, mm-hmm. we, we aim for that uh, beginning of the week. We take the order, we see what's in it, we go and we arrange um, arrange the boxes. They have um, insulators that are made for shipping perishables. So pack the boxes. We have dry ice packs that go on top. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you ordered on Friday, I would probably send out a reminder email letting you know that your item won't ship until Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then w- the day of, we'll pack up the order, dry ice it, s- slap on that UPS label, uh, drop it off at the um, UPS store. And then they'll they'll take it from there and it'll be overnighted. So it'll arrive in the early afternoon morning time um, to the customer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with your now, are you shipping mostly like beef shares or you do individual cuts? So right now we're not doing individual cuts. In the past, I have done um, mm-hmm. cuts individually. Um, a lot of our boxes that, and then we had a lot of box options. So we would do, um, you know, farmer's favorite box, and it would be a mixture of some of our favorite things that we like to cook. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there, there was like a steak and grill box, which had steaks, stew meat, hamburger meat, ribs, um, things that were really good for summertime grilling and uh, smoking. Um, we had like only uh, ground beef share or ground ground beef boxes, and it was six, twelve, and mm-hmm. eighteen pounds, um, different variations. And yeah, just kind of um, the boxes were all variations on that. There was family boxes that had more roasts and bones and stew meat and ground beef, things for nice uh, crock pot meals, that kind of stuff. So 
And right now on the website, what we have are ground beef individual boxes, so different amounts, and it's just a one-time purchase. And then we have ground beef subscriptions, which are, I believe, monthly, and you could choose how much um, ground beef, how many pounds that you get per month, and that that's a subscription. And we do restocks as, as much as we can online, and we we're very active on Instagram um, mm -hmm. in terms of updating what we have, what's going to be available. Um, for instance, at the end of August, we are doing family shares um, and they are actually filled now, but basically we were selling uh, quarters and halves of mm -hmm. uh, to to local families. Um, and that was, you know, with local delivery and everything. So we, we do a few things online in terms of serving nationwide and locals. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about the local sales. Now, how far are you located from some of the bigger cities? Um, so I would say an hour and a half. We're an okay. hour and a half from the bigger cities. Locally, we're only 15, 20 minutes to the small town that we live in, which, you know, it's smaller, but there is a local, um, I don't know what they're called necessarily, but they, they work with all the producers, kind of like the farmer's market, but mm -hmm. they do boxes of produce and meat and vegetables and everything um, for locals that you could sign up for. Um, so we're involved with some local things that are closer to our town. And then we serve the local communities north of us and south of us, um, anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours away. Um, now, in terms of locals, we serve all of the local co-ops, the local natural food stores, um, a couple farm stands, as well as local restaurants. And then um, for families, we do in-person deliveries for meat and greens. Um, we, we used to work the farmer's market. Um, after we had our son, um, we stepped back from the farmer's market um, for a okay. while. We're hoping to eventually do the farmer's market again um, once we have some more help. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's it in terms of the local local things going on. Um, yeah. And obviously the microgreens are all local sales. Local sales as well for the microgreens. Now, we totally could ship the microgreens. Mm -hmm. My biggest thing with um, that is... I am not sure if people would like to pay the shipping to overnight microgreens as they would be more inclined to pay the shipping on beef because, you know, the microgreens, the shelf life is a week. So mm -hmm. it's going to be overnighted to you, but the shipping is going to cost more than the microgreens. So that's yeah. where it comes up into play of choosing okay, microgreens, we're going to stick to local uh, beef. People are getting a flat rate cost for the shipping. 
and they're getting over a month's supply of beef. So, mm-hmm. you, can, you know, weigh, weigh your choices. Yeah. Talk us through a little bit about the production on microgreens. I see you're doing it just on racks in a building. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we've, we've grown in the summertime. We do like to grow outside, um, in greenhouses. Um, and that's how we first started. Um, but we wanted to do something year round. So what we did was we have a 2000 square foot metal building. Um, and then we built out a large room for dedicated for the greens um, so that we could run them all year round. So we're vertically growing indoors. Um, we you know, have a schedule every week where we plant, we soak seeds, um, we prep the room, we prep the um, planting area, what we need to do for whatever it is, trays, dirt, um, all that stuff, organization. Um, and in terms of the greens, um, you know, a typical week will we'll be soaking seeds um, and planting seeds the next day. And, um, you know, the, the, those seeds will pop, um, open, open everything up, put them on the racks. Um, and then it's another week until they're harvested. And um, yeah, it's a pretty, as long, the thing with that is you just need to have all of the fact, not factors, but variables um, in Mm -hmm. control when you're growing inside. You know, you really have, as much as you can't control what's going on outside and, and in greenhouses and stuff, it's even more magnified when you're growing inside. So you just need to make sure the humidity, there's enough fans, um, you know, if you have anything on timers or all, all of that stuff, you just want to make sure that everything is set to the right setting so that you don't have kind of a little catastrophe if you're, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think. I think that's pretty much it in terms of that micro. Yeah. What kind of, uh, what kind of growing challenges do you have? Do you have like damping off or. Um, I would say seasonal changes still really affect the space. Um, okay. You know, the warehouse, it's not foam insulated or anything. So the building itself will change a lot of uh, temperature. So I just think it's, you know, adapting to all of those uh, variables. So in the winter, we, uh, we plant the seeds um, in a different time than we would plant them in the summertime everything pops at different rates. So just being aware of that. Um, and yeah, even, even though it is growing inside and you're controlling everything mm-hmm. outside, outside still plays a big part in how the room is affected. So just, yeah. just adapting to the seasonal changes. Um, and yeah, I think, 
as far as like challenges and stuff, I think that that's just kind of something that is always happening. And as much as you're like, oh, it's summer season, we're in this autopilot kind of mode, you, uh, our, our coastal weather, it really, and we've had a really wet summer. So mm-hmm. it has been not like 70 degrees and sunny the whole time, you know? So just adapting with those things and making sure you're checking the room and um, have everything on lock before you're stepping away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about the soil you're using. What type of soil do you like for microgreens? We like a soil that is inert. Um, we want it to have a lot of um, drying out capabilities. Uh, we work with a local company, um, Royal Gold, and they they make a blend for us and it's really nice. It's really airy and um, it dries out well. And because they're microgreens, they don't need, and, and you're eating it in its first cycle of life, you know? So you don't want to have any nutrients or anything extra in the soil. So um, that's, that's what we do for, uh, for our operation. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you had a son recently, talk to us how that has changed kind of like the farming cadence and, uh, some of the things you've had to change. Well, um, I would just say, uh, being able to figure out who can do what and at what rate and just kind of giving, grace for not getting everything done how we used to get it done in terms of time frames and mm-hmm. not not slowing down everything to a to a bad <laughs> slow rate but just knowing that things will get done in the time that it needs to get done not like oh we we have to bust this out today and we can and so we do it um You know, my husband, he has taken over a good amount of the um, animal husbandry, taking care of the horse, taking care of, you know, everything we have going on here. um, I, you know, I used to help with everything. We used to do everything together. So just being able to step away and, um, you know, our, our son is very involved in the chores and everything like that. He loves being around the animals. So it is relatively easy to involve him in that way. I think that our biggest thing was that when it came to the microgreens, it is something you would think microgreens are not as much work as they are, but they are a lot of work. And so when it comes to that, I have to step away, take care of him. And, um, you know, my husband, Mm -hmm. uh, we've hired people in the past to help with that stuff, but he really does the majority of planting, cleaning the room, um, cutting the greens, you know, doing everything. And I come in and I, and I help with 
the period of time that I have free and that mm -hmm. our son is um, cooperating with us and is down to be in the room with us, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, just it was different when he was first born than now. Now he is almost one. He wants to walk around and explore. And so, you know, we used to get away with mom and dad working together more in the greens. Um, and now it's definitely my more of my husband. And we come in when he's ready to play a little bit or to sleep a little bit in the carrier. Um, so yeah. It's nice though, because I do feel like you, when you work on a ranch or a farm, you're intrinsically motivated to do a lot of work. You know, it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard work. And if you can't be internally motivated to do it, then it's not really the right thing for you. And it's usually people who kind of work themselves down like to the bone <laughs> mm -hmm. and so when you have a child and you have to slow down and you have to step away and not do things how you previously did them I just feel like it also gives you a really big appreciation for things that maybe you didn't appreciate before in terms of oh I have to get this project done by this time frame and when you have a child and the time frames push back it's not bad. It's actually giving you that opportunity to see that the space in between is really valuable, you know? So. Yeah. I think sometimes, as you said, we rush it and then we don't really realize a, sometimes that the project doesn't need to happen like we thought it did and yeah. giving ourselves a little more space just lots of, Oh yeah, we can actually could do it this way. Um, and, you know, I, I think as a, as an American culture, we just tend to do stuff like we just focus on doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And you look at some of these other cultures like, uh, you know, Europe or, you know, um, Italy, and, and they just have, I mean, like Mexico, the siesta, you know, just that time mm -hmm. of relaxation of thinking about, you know, what's going on of, and, and taking a rest. And I think we could do well to kind of add that. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree with that 110%. <laughs> yeah. And then having a kid kind of forces you to do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, definitely. And it really, you know, I just, it's so enlightening. Um, and there's always time for everything that you want to, that you need to do, that you want to accomplish. And then the priorities shift even more and you can really even see clearer, you know, okay, this is something I wanted to do, but this is something I have to do. And, uh -huh. you know, finding the enjoyment in doing the things that you have to do and letting go of everything else is really freeing. I feel like when you allow yourself to do that and you don't get caught up in, you know, whatever other mind, mind chatter is going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think there's a huge difference between the have to do and like to do. Mm -hmm. And when you start to really um, cut down amount of time that you uh, have, it gives you a much clearer of, of that. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Hey, Thriving Farmers, each year we are faced with two important investment decisions. We should be investing in systems that increase productivity and in inputs that develop soil.
In December of 2020, I was introduced to a seed, soil, and foliar prebiotic treatment. This product is called Ultra. Ultra is an Omri-listed prebiotic formula manufactured by AgriGrow. I've personally been running several trials testing Ultra on my farm. I'm impressed. Ultra increased our strawberry yield production by 18%. On a 900-square-foot trial, $6 in product cost returned me $868 worth of marketable strawberries. We also had decade-old heirloom corn seed that I have been trying to germinate with no success. In a Hail Mary attempt with my remaining few seeds, I soaked them overnight in a diluted solution of Ultra. They germinated. If you would like to try Ultra or any other agrigo product, I believe this would be a worthwhile investment on your farm. Here's the best news yet. AgriGrow has agreed to offer a 10% discount to all thriving farmer listeners. Simply use the coupon code THRIVE when you check out. Again, that is T-H-R-I-V-E for a 10% off discount on your first order. Head to smallfarm.solutions to order today. Share a little bit about um, kind of uh, your marketing. Um, how have you like presented yourself out there online? Do you have a specific like persona you want to kind of focus on? Who's your customer? Okay, well... Our customer base, it really is the family, the individual that cares about, one, their own health with the quality of what they're eating. Um, and then two, people that want to support a real family ranch that some, you know, a small business or they know that their investment into your business is supporting uh, your family directly, your ability to bring nutritious, real food to their family. And, you know, they appreciate um, the value in that. Um, and, you know, in terms of marketing, at first, um, because we had our herd and we weren't selling anything yet nothing was mature um and we delved into the farmer's market with our microgreens we really focused on local local sales um a lot of grocery stores restaurants and then the direct to customer uh local locally um and as we have been able to offer beef online um, our, sh our shift has kind of been that we want to reach those families that I described um, or individuals through, you know, Instagram. I'm working on getting into the Facebook world as well um, and just kind of accessing those people that I know are there because there's plenty of people locally that are that type of customer um, and reaching them on a larger base. Um, and we're really aiming to do that in terms of uh, local marketing. I am working, working my way to either advertise in online newspapers, like um, local newspapers, um, and then we were trying to figure out who owned the billboards that we were interested in doing a billboard, um, just kind of local, more advertising locally. And then online, um, I would like to probably do some ads on Instagram and then mm -hmm. 
once we have Facebook do some type of ad on Facebook. But really, in reality, because we haven't invested a bunch of money into marketing um, and advertising, most of our business has been word of mouth, mm-hmm. um, you know, friends telling other friends, oh, you should order this beef. Um, and just from our online presence from Instagram, we have uh, gotten um, customers from across uh, the states. And then um, I think there was one other part. Oh, the persona. Um, I really, online, I just want to represent us as what we are, is a family-ran ranch. Um, We saved our money, our experience, and invested into ourselves Mm -hmm. because we want to do something that gives us a purpose, you know, in this life and giving people, um, you know, real food, food that I would eat, you know, not just anything and sharing that with our community, sharing it with the community beyond where we live. Um, that really gives us, um, the drive and the purpose to keep going, you know, because owning your own business, owning your own farm or ranch, um, it's not going to be amazing all the time. I heard something that was really great. It was the rule of thirds. Um, A third of the time you'll be elated and you'll be inspired and all the good things are happening. A third of the time you'll be okay. You'll be chugging along. And a third of the time you won't be feeling so hot and you'll be questioning like, is this, is everything going to be okay? Um, so, and that's how you know that you're doing the right thing. Because if you have that um, breakup of like those different feelings towards the business or towards your goal of what you're trying to do, then, you know, you're going in the right direction. It's when things become, you know, 75%, you're, you're okay and not feeling so hot. And then only 25% feeling like, oh, this is great. I'm inspired by my customers and the great things I hear. So, you know, that all, that's really important too, for me to think about is um, just, you know, what we're doing it for, what we want people to be getting out of our products. And the awesome thing is that, you know, every, everybody who talks to us about the microgreens, about the beef, um, they're really, they're really positive. They're really excited about what we, what we offer. They're really grateful Um, and it just gives us even more drive to keep going and to know that we are going in the right direction. So I just want to be very real with our customers. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Very cool. What would you say to farmers that are thinking of getting started or people that, you know, they haven't started farming yet, but they're they're thinking of getting into the, the farming world? I would, you know, there's a few things I would say, um, in terms of, you know, I would just ask myself my, the, the question of, you know, is this food, is it for me? Is it for me and my family? Um, 
who am I trying to feed? Am I trying to do something to give me some autonomy in these times where I don't want to rely mm -hmm. on uh, the grocery store or whatever, and I want to have something for our own family? Or are you trying to start a business, you know? And then from there, you know, you have to know like time, you need to manage your time really well. Um, you need to look at long-term goals, short-term goals, um, and, you know, asking yourself all those questions, thinking about all that. And then if you just want to start, you know, and you're just starting for yourself and you're just seeing, Hey, am I even going to like this? You have to just jump in. And, um, I would always suggest taking a class on basics um, because, you know, you could be doing your backyard garden, taking a class at the um, local college, you know, um, and learning about soil di diversity and just learning things that you can apply or you know, if there's um, lots of farms, especially produce farms are always looking for volunteers. Um, so I would always suggest volunteering too on one of those farms because you really want to see on a, if your goal is a bigger scale production, see everything that it takes and always offer your help to a farm or ranch for free because what you're going to learn there is immeasurable compared to, you know, them paying you whatever it is. It's, I think that that is something that's not, that's not done as much. Mm -hmm. I know there's volunteer programs and everything, but um, the knowledge you learn at a farm or ranch really gives you the insight on hey, I want to keep doing this. And, you know, when the times are tough, when the times are good, when they're amazing, I always want to be doing this. So it really gives you that perspective too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What would you say is your uh, favorite farming tool? Well, can I have a few? <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll let you have a few. Well, I really love our tractor. It does more for us than I could even say. It's probably been the best investment for us just because we wouldn't be able to do half the stuff we do. Even, you know, we recycle all of our soil um, and we wouldn't be able to do any of that in the time frame mm -hmm. uh, if we didn't have the tractor. So tractor is for sure number one. And then as far as the greens, we have a harvester and it's a, a handheld harvester and that really makes harvesting the greens more efficient and is really helpful. Mm -hmm. I, just I think you've got the, you got the farmer's friend harvester from when I looked in the pictures. Yes. yes. Farmer's friend. Yep. That, that thing is the bee's knees. Yeah. Interesting. Cause we actually used to use that and the crew actually switched away from that. Mm -hmm. So they'll go back to doing it with a handheld, uh, shears and mm -hmm. 
they like, again, like uh, that's, and again, we aren't doing massive quantities. So, I mean, we're doing, oh, maybe we're doing 40 trays a week, 30 to 40 trays a week. Oh, um, my yeah. For microgreens. And they just really <laughs> like to cut it with the, the hand. they say they get a cleaner cut. They said they get them, they don't have to wash as much, but I like to use the harvester because I think it's a lot quicker, but, um, again, they're the ones doing it. So yeah. I, I, as long as they're keeping to the times that we've set for the process, mm -hmm. they can do however they want. So oh, yeah, very nice. And then the tractor that's, it's John Deere. I'm assuming it is it a, uh, I'm just, the, I can't quite see the model number. Is it a 5045? I believe it's a 5045. It's like the, yeah, it's, um, 5045E. So that's, yeah. I think it'll pick up two tons. It has a quick change bucket on it, forks on yes. it. Yeah. It's a great tractor. That series is, uh, I've owned three of the previous version of that series and it's a, it's a fabulous tractor. You can't, you can't complain about that tractor. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a versatile tool. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you coming on Esther and sharing your story and sharing how you raise the, uh, the cows and the microgreens on your farm and uh, what it's like farming as a family. So thank you so much for coming on and uh, we look forward to catching up with you in a few more years. Thank you guys so much. We're so grateful for the opportunity to come on to the podcast um, and for the recommendation from the other local farm. Um, and thank you so much for your time. We appreciate being able to get our name out there more and podcasts like yours really help us do that. So thank you. Absolutely. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I've purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer Podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.